Alrighty, guys. Good morning. My name's Tyler. For those of you who don't know me, um, I lead in the family ministry and also one of the prospective elders here at the church. And so I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, John Nicole, our pastor, and his wife um, and their kids are going to be on vacation for a little bit longer, a couple more weeks, so you guys continue to pray for them as they get much-needed rest and time um, as a family. And so I'm super thankful for them. None of us would be here without them, and so I'm just thankful for their lives and the way that they've laid them down for this church. And so, um, but yeah, so um, I've been following, a little bit about me, I've been following Jesus since 2012, my sophomore year. God completely changed my life after I heard the gospel um, and just responded to it, and my life has never been the same. Um, just been working out my, my uh, life through fear and trembling and with this body, and so um, I'm super thankful. I really do love this church. Um, I really do love um, just what God is doing, and then just I just pray that my heart um, over you this morning, just that you would see God for who he truly is. Um, and I'm super humble just to open up the word to you guys and allow it to be preached. And so, um, yeah, we've been going through the book of Acts line by line over this past year. It's been super encouraging. We've been learning what it looks like to be a healthy church and also how to be people who, who bend our knee to Jesus. More recently, we've been looking at the life of Paul and how God has chose him and is using him um, as his chosen instrument to reach the Jews and the Gentiles over the past two weeks, two weeks, Heath has preached through Acts 21, 22. just want to honor you, man, um, for his faithfulness. We've seen God's providence, sovereignty, and the importance of a clear gospel message in 21, and Paul's testimony and, and protection from the Lord before the Jews in Acts 22. Um, we're also reminded how Israel had forgotten who they were and what God had called them to do. Um, and so today we'll be going through Acts 23. Um, we're on the home stretch, and so Paul has only been in Jerusalem for a short time, um, but he has already been thrown out of the temple, beaten. Um, he's been told he should not be allowed to live and stretched out before the Romans. Um, the Jews were so angry at Paul, and they wanted him dead. The Roman commander wanted to know why. Paul was about to be scourged, but he told him of his Roman citizenship. Frightened for his own life, but still wanting to know for certain why Paul had been accused by the Jews, the commander calls the Jewish council to assemble, and he places Paul before them. Um, Paul knew coming back to Jerusalem was not going to be easy, and God had reminded him and prepared him beforehand. Um, He says in Acts 21 on his way back to Jerusalem after being warned not to go, he says, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm not ready not only to be bound but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul longed for the salvation of his fellow Jews. We also can't forget that Paul's conversion in Acts 9 was over 20 years ago. Paul had been run out of cities, had stones thrown at him. He's been in prison for the name of Jesus. He says in Acts 20, 24, in his farewell to the Ephesian elders, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel, the good news, the grace of God. So Paul had solemnly witnessed to the Gentiles and now in Jerusalem the hope and the resurrection of Jesus, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And God was going to lead him. He was going to comfort him. He was going to protect him. 
and he was going to provide a way for him to continue on. And so the titles of today's message, if you guys are taking notes, is Be a Powerful Witness of the Resurrection in All Circumstances. And the points we'll be looking at this morning is honor all leaders, um, find your comfort from the Lord in difficult times, and trust in the Lord's providence. So if you could turn your Bibles with me to Acts 23, we'll begin. And we'll read Acts 23, 1 through 5 right now. So yeah, Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. And we'll stop there for now. Um, So yeah, I was super encouraged going through Acts 23 this past week. Um, A lot happens in these 35 verses. Um, And so Paul opens up very similarly to he did in um, Acts 22, where he's saying, brethren, he's hoping to witness to his fellow Jews. He loved them. Um, He reminds them of his zeal for the Lord as a a Pharisee um, before his conversion and now as a Christian. Um, He spoke confidently of his perfectly good conscience before God because Christ now lived in him and he trusted God to examine him. He was a changed man. God had knocked him off his horse in Acts 9. You guys all remember that story. Blinded him. um, And now he was set on mission with Jesus inside of his heart to to reach the lost people. And Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And 1 Corinthians 4.4, For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. So Paul knew that he was not perfect. Um, None of us are. But he lived his life up to this point holding nothing against himself, knowing God was the one who examined him. Immediately following, as you guys heard, Paul's struck in the face after this verse 1. Kind of a crazy scene. Um, But this council, also known as the Sanhedrin, is made up of around 70 Jewish elders, um, and they also had a high priest residing over them. Um, They would meet regularly and make decisions on religious, political, and social affairs in Jewish society. Ananias, um, the high priest over the Sanhedrin during this time, um, was known to be a quick-tempered and one of Israel's most cruelest high priests. Um, One commentator wrote, Ananias brought no credit to the sacred office, and he did not hesitate to use his violence to further his interest. Um, So he wasn't uh, the high priest that Israel truly desired. Um, Their high priest was always called to be of good conduct, and Ananias was far from that. Having Paul hit when he did was illegal. Um, Paul only wanted to give his defense before the council, but wasn't able to do so. He let them know his frustration He calls his accuser a whitewashed wall. He's basically saying, you hypocrite, for violating the law while standing to try to uphold the law. 
Jesus speaks something similarly over them in Matthew 23, and he goes through a similar um, situation. There's a lot of similarities between Jesus' life and Paul's life as we read throughout the scriptures. But in Matthew 23, 27 through 28, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Um, We see Jesus speak about the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees all throughout the Gospels. Um, He warned the disciples in Matthew 16 to watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He wants his followers to live lives of integrity with clean consciences towards God and man. Um, As uh, I forgot Cole or Hunter or Mike shared earlier. He came to, or Ricky, one of them. But someone shared, he came, he came to set sinners free and he came to serve and um, not to be served. And so um, we're called to live those same lives today. Um, and it's freeing to live with a clean conscience. Um, but the only possible way to do that is through the blood of Jesus. Um, Paul is quickly made aware by one of the bystanders that he has just reviled God's high priest. Um, this, was not, this was most likely because we read about in Galatians, Paul did not have very good eyes. Um, he said he wrote in big letters, and he wished that he would, they would pluck out their eyes and give them to him because his eyes were not good. Um, and also, if you remember, it's been over 20 years since Paul had been back in Jerusalem. Um, he did not know Ananias was the high priest. Paul then speaks out of Exodus twenty two twenty eight, saying, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest, for it is written... You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Although what Paul said was true, um, he may have acted wrongly in this moment. Um, It's important to note that Paul understood the law, but he also knew that he was no longer under the law, but of grace. The law shows us our sin and our need for God. Romans 3, 19 through 20 um, says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. In Galatians 3, 23, 25. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Um, Paul was zealous for the laws he spoke of before as he was a Pharisee, but now he's zealous for the gospel, and he wants to make everyone known of that. Um, we read in Romans 8, 3 through 4. Get to that. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, And as an offering for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's the lives we're meant to live. So that brings us to our first point. Um, It's honor all leaders, even if they're evil. And so Paul, in doing so, was able to be a witness to the resurrection Um, Paul quickly read, as we said, out of Exodus 22. Um, So Paul, he was beaten down. He was frustrated and silenced. 
um, but he still chose to honor the high priest's position. We see a very similar scene in Jesus as he's before the council in John 18. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in temple where all the Jews come together, and I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he did this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if if rightly, why do you strike me? And Paul says this in his letters to the Corinthians, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's no doubt in my mind that as Paul was standing before the council, um, that he was consumed with mind, the, the thoughts of his Lord before the council. Um, and Paul loved the Lord. Paul loved the people, and he wanted them to know the gospel. And that's the only way he was able to honor in this moment. Um, not perfectly, as Jesus did, um, but he still honored. Um, so what does that mean for us today? We do not know how God is going to use our circumstances and actions to bring him glory and to remind others of the gospel. Um, We must choose to die to ourselves, to die to our pride, to die to our flesh, to die to our sin and live for God and do it with joy. Romans 12, 14 through 21 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus was mocked. He was beaten. He was spat on. He was ridiculed. He was reviled. Yet he did not revile in return. He trusted his father to handle his accusers. In 1 Peter 2, 21 through 25, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardians of your souls. God vindicated Jesus through the resurrection. Um, And because of that alone, Paul has hope. And that's why we have hope. As difficult as it is sometimes, um, we must seek to honor everyone over us. This doesn't always mean to remain silent. Um, We must ask God for wisdom in certain situations, and we rely on his Holy Spirit to lead us. Um, The goal is to be a powerful witness to the resurrection, 
And we'll see um, in this next portion, Paul was able to do just that. So let's keep reading. So we'll pick up in verse 16, or sorry, verse 6. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him. And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. So after Paul silenced by his opening line, we read in verse 1, he knew at this point, um, after being quickly stopped, that he was not going to get a fair trial. Um, Noticing the group consisted of Pharisees and Sadducees, he cried out saying that he was a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees, and that he was on trial for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. The truth and the power of the resurrection had changed Paul's life, Um, and this truth not only divided the council, but gave Paul hope. And as it says in verse 8, the Sadducees say that there's no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Um, As you guys remember back in Matthew 22, um, the Sadducees were the group who challenged Jesus and tried to trap him. In Matthew 22, 29 through 32, Jesus answers after they had questioned him about marriage in heaven. Jesus answers, you're mistaken, not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry or are given to marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Paul knew these groups very well, um, saying he was one of them. And he was very, um, he knew what was going on um, in this group. Um, He reminded them of his upbringing, similarly as he did in Acts 22 in his defense before them. Um, And Paul was God's chosen instrument to preach the resurrection to the Gentiles and the Jews. Um, Jesus' resurrection is everything to the believer. Without it, we have no hope. Um, And Paul preached it wherever he went. In 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, a little bit longer, but he says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 
and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored, labored even more than all of them. Not, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. In Philippians 3, 7 through 11. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and be, may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is from, through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead." Um, when Paul spoke, he spoke of the resurrection. Um, we have to ask ourselves, are we constant and bold witnesses, as Paul was, of the resurrection? Um, do we understand what really happened that day, that single moment when Jesus rose from the dead? Um, we say so often, as we share the gospel, paying the price for sins, Jesus died and rose again. It almost rolls off the tongue without us actually knowing what we're saying. Um, Jesus gave us all of his perfection, and he took all of our sin, and God declares us righteous by faith. Hebrews 12.2 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Um, It was painful, it was gruesome, it was terrible, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, going through this week, um, reading this, it reminded me of the many times, you know, we go out, we share the gospel, we evangelize, and um, I know sometimes I pr- offer, I see people, I offer to pray for them, and I leave them on their way to continue their night, go to have dinner, go back to their families. Um, and I was convicted. Uh, what, am I ashamed to share the gospel um, we cannot be ashamed of it, as Romans 1.16 says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Prayer is powerful, but the gospel needs to be preached in order for people to be saved. Um, people may not want to listen, um, but that's in the hands of God. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Um, Let's be people who boldly share the whole counsel of God and trust him to do the work. There's a quote from R.C. Sproul. It says, The more we understand how kind God has been to us and the more we we are overcome by his mercy, the more we are inclined to love him and to serve him. And as we see, as we just read, so there was an uproar, a dissension developed between the two groups, between these Pharisees and these Sadducees. Um, 
And Paul is about to be torn, ripped to pieces. And this word torn is, is the only other times it's used in the New Testament is when um, the, 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 the chains were on the, um, the man who was being, uh, sorry, um, who the man who was being, the demons were cast out of him, the legion. Um, and he was ripping the chains off of him. And this is the only other time this word torn. So this is a crazy scene going on, Paul being torn back and forth between these two groups. And so the, the Roman commander stepped in to rescue Paul for the third time and brought him back to the barracks. Um, Paul was beat up. Things have gotten worse and worse since getting to Jerusalem. Um, Paul was alone, probably wondering if he would ever leave Jerusalem at this point, having already been um, mobs happening for three times since he's been back. Um, and so we'll continue reading. We'll read verse 11. But on the night immediately following... The Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. These are comforting words that Paul needed, um, that the Lord Jesus literally stood at his side in this moment. Um, After going through what he's gone through, after being taken back to the Roman barracks, after being alone, not knowing if he was ever going to leave Jerusalem, um, the Lord stood at his side. Um, He places courage into Paul and assures him that he will, in fact, be his witness to Rome. This is exactly what Paul needed to continue on. And so that brings us to our second point this morning, which is to find comfort from the Lord in difficult times. This isn't the first time Jesus has comforted Paul, and it won't be the last. We read in Acts 18, 9 through 10, um, Paul was in Corinth on his second missionary journey. He says, and the Lord stood, the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And later we'll read in Acts twenty seven, for this very night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. In Paul's most difficult times, the Lord was there. The Lord always has a way to comfort his witnesses to the resurrection. And he is a God of comfort. We read in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which with, with which we ourselves are comforted with God. For just as the sufferings of our Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for you, for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are shares of our sufferings, so also you are shares of our comfort. In 2 Timothy 4, 17-18, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, this is still Paul, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, Most of us will never find ourselves as Paul did 
Um, not even close. Um, but we, what are we to learn from this? Um, Jesus will be with us as we live our, live our lives fully for him. Um, and as we are witnesses, powerful, bold witnesses of his resurrection. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we read a lot. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. This is comforting news to us. Um, he promised to always be with us. That is enough. Um, and for Paul, that's what he needed in this moment of despair, just to know the Lord was with him. Paul had laid his life down. Um, it was not his anymore. When we die to ourselves and really live for God, he promises that he will take care of us. Um, and it may not be comfortable, um, and it may not be the way that we have planned for, um, but he will be with us, and that is the promise. And that's exactly what the Lord did for Paul. And so that brings us to our last point, um, which is trust in the Lord's providence. And we'll go ahead and read verses 12 through 35 all the way through. Verse 12. When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who formed this plot. They came to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn oath to taste nothing until we have killed Paul. Now therefore, you and the council notify the commander to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case by a more thorough investigation. And we, for our part, are ready to slay him before he comes near this place. But the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, and he came and entered the barracks and told Paul. Crazy scene. But Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Lead this young man to the commander, for he has something to report to him. So he took him and led him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner called me to him and asked me to lead this young man to you, since he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand and stepping aside, began to inquire of him more privately. What is it that you have to report to me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow to the council, as though they were going to inquire somewhat more thoroughly about him. So do not listen to them, for more than forty of them are lying in wait for him, who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they slay him. And now they are ready and waiting for the promise from you. So the commander let the young man go, instructing him, Tell no one that you have notified me of these things. And he called to him two of the centurions and said, Get two hundred soldiers ready by the third hour of the night to proceed to Caesarea with seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen. They were also to provide mounts to put Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter having this form. Claudius Lysias, this is the first time we hear of the commander's name, to the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. When this man was arrested by the Jews and was about to be slain by them, I came up to them with the troops and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And wanting to ascertain the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council, 
and I found him to be accused over questions about their law, but under no accusations deserving death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there would be a, a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, also instructing his accusers to bring charges against him before you. So the, so the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. But the next day, leaving the horsemen to go on with him, they, re, they returned to the barracks. When these had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. When he had read it, he asked from what province he was. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing after your accusers arrive also, giving orders for him to be kept in Herod's praetorium. So it's been a whirlwind for Paul um, since coming back to Jerusalem. He's been dragged around from place to place. He's been beaten. He's been spit at. He's been told he should not be allowed to live. Um, Ever since coming back to Jerusalem, the Jews have wanted nothing more than to kill Paul. Um, Why? Paul has done nothing wrong, as even the Roman commander said in verse 29. Um, But remember what Jesus said in John 15. John 15, 18 through 20. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you, love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Uh, so these more than 40 zealots who, th- who sought to assassinate Paul in the middle of the night, they hated Paul's message. They hated how he went to the Gentiles. Um, they hated Jesus and the way he had turned their world upside down. Um, and they would stop at nothing, even putting themselves under a curse um, to kill Paul. Um, the council, wanting Paul dead as well, um, basically agreed to their plot, which is insane. Um, but that they would rather kill this man, um, what the law said, we shall not kill, um, than to see him live and continue on. Um, but God had other plans. Not only was God got, going to rescue Paul, um, he was going to be sure that Paul never forgot about what he said in verse 11. Um, God worked through the natural situations, circumstances, and events to rescue Paul and get him on his way to Rome. And that is God's providence. We can trust him. And he used a boy, Paul's nephew. Um, we don't know much about him. It just says he happened to be there and to hear this plot. Um, and 470 trained Roman soldiers to get Paul to Rome. And he was put on mounts and taken there through the night, through the, the most dangerous parts, um, going from Jerusalem through Antipatris to Caesarea. Um, and he was taken there on mounts by 470 armed Roman soldiers. And Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And Romans 8, 28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Matthew 10, 29-31, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. 
God is always working to protect his witnesses to the resurrection. And his ultimate providential care was when he rose Jesus from the dead. Paul was a witness to this message and the Lord comforted him and protected him. And so as we close out, the band can come up. Um, But I was reminded of the verse in Acts 5 from Gamaliel. He spoke to the council about Peter and the apostles and said, Men, be careful what you do next with these men. Stay away from them and leave them alone. For it is this plan, for if this plan is from men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. And as we know, the gospel continued to be preached. People continued to be saved. And God still reigns victorious today. Um, So as we finish this morning, let's lean into God's word. Let's trust him. Um, Let's trust him to help us live lives of integrity, lives of humility, and by the power of the Holy Spirit so others may know him, believing that he will lead, comfort, and protect and provide everything we need to be his powerful witnesses of the resurrection. And so as I pray for us this morning, um, you guys can pray for one another and ask the Lord to um, truly go to him. And and if the resurrection is something that is just a passing thought, let it never be. Um, Let us run to him. Let us die to ourselves and live for him knowing that the power to save is through the resurrection and we can trust him through it. And so as I pray for us, you guys can continue and just worship and um, yeah, love you guys. And so God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for your power. God, thank you that we can trust you. We can put all of our hope in you, that you rose from the dead Jesus. And in that we have hope. In that, we have joy. In that, we have comfort. God, would you soften our hearts for those who don't know you? God, let us live lives as Paul did, laid down for you. God, would we fully devote ourselves to the preaching of your word in season and out of season. And God, would you encourage us? Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you that you did not stay dead, but you rose from the grave. You conquered sin and death. And in that we have hope. In Jesus' name, amen.